If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, episode number 262. If this isn't one of the most requested topics for an episode of the podcast, I don't know what is. When I started the podcast, all I had was one member of my team, Caitlin. I was balancing my computer in my lap in the car so that the dogs wouldn't bark and mess up the audio. And now, Well, I wish I could say I have a fancy studio, but all of this is happening from my spare closet in my house with a simple mic setup, some internet magic, and a whole lot of help from my team. I've learned so much from day one of starting a podcast. We've had 18 million downloads. That number truly knocks the wind out of me. And we have this system down to a science that allows us to work ahead and release free quality content two times a week just for you. Now, I'm asked all the time, How do I start a podcast? What do you use to record? How do I get sponsors and make all the money? Should I outsource any step of the process? And today I'm answering all of those questions and more with a special guest, one of my students, Tori Maloney. Yep, this is another gold digger coaching session and I'm sitting down at the mic to work through some of the podcasting challenges with a gold digger just like you. Tori is a wedding and elopement photographer based in Ohio who has recently added educator to her title. She loves teaching and photography and she loves stories so much so that she and her friend Anna are working together to launch a podcast featuring other people's stories. I'm so excited to hear all about their podcasting journey so far and talk through so many of the lessons I've learned along the way so that they can launch their show with confidence. If a podcast is something you're dreaming of launching, keep listening. This is the golden vault of information that I've ever shared about the process. So let's get this gold digger coaching session started. Class is now in session. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. 
All right, Tor, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to coach you today. And before we dig in, I just want you to tell everyone how amazing you are because I just, you have been sliding into my DMs with encouragement for years now. And you've been a really wonderful source of light in my life, in my programs, and just in the whole world that we're in. So, welcome to the show. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I could say the same thing exactly about you. So thank you for all you do for our community. It's enormous. So, Well, let's dissect who is Tori, what does she do? And then we're going to jump on into the coaching. Perfect. I'm so excited. Okay. So I'm Tori. I'm a total goofball, but I love taking wedding and engagement and elopement photos. So I'm based in Ohio. And I travel all over the country, soon the world, but for now, we'll tackle the country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I started this business eight years ago. I've been in business full-time for five years, and it's been so fun. But I like to say that I got to start in entrepreneurship very early because I'm a child of entrepreneurs, and I was actually homeschooled. So we had tons of time to do what we wanted with our schedule. My mom would structure it in such a way as like, hey, now on Mondays you have your lessons and then your homework is due Monday. So if you wanna get all of your homework done for all your classes on Monday and Tuesday, you have the rest of the week to do with what you want. And that's taught me time management, responsibility for like what I'm doing with my life. I got a job, (laughs) which most people my age were not able to do that because they were in traditional school. So. Yeah, it's awesome. Amazing. Okay. So when we put the call out for this coaching episode, we said, who is thinking about starting a podcast? (laughs) And what questions you guys have? And I mean, so many people were freaking out because I feel like so many of us are seeing there's this shift in the way that people are consuming content. And there's this beautiful ability with podcasting to reach people just using your voice. I mean, you can do it in sweatpants, just saying. And so many people were so excited about it. And so I kind of want to hear what your vision is, what you're thinking about for your podcast, and then you get to start asking the questions. Oh, this is so exciting. Okay, so my best friend, one of my very best friends, Anna, we are starting a podcast called the Keep Me Company Podcast. I love it. And our vision for it was, hey, we're both entrepreneurs. We work from home and it gets kind of lonely, actually. You know that. And podcasts keep us company. And we were like, oh, it's a no brainer. (laughs) So that's what we're going to call it. And we're just going to interview cool people who have something to share and something to offer the world. And we want to give them a platform. And we are both so blessed to know people like you who are just doing amazing things in the world and they want to help people. And we want to be a launch pad for them. Awesome. We're excited. Okay, so let's dive into the questions. Let's go. Fire away, girl. I have so many, but I picked a couple. So first of all, sponsorships. We're wondering, how do we go about doing that? How did you go about doing that? Perfect. So my first question is this. What is the ultimate goal of your podcast? We want to add lots of value and keep people company. <laughs> it's okay. going to be very, with very interesting content. So as you're doing stuff, like if say a photographer is listening and they're editing a whole wedding, like they can turn on one of our podcasts. Maybe we interview 
you <laughs> and we talk about how you got started and you just inspire and lay it out all on the table for them. And as they're working, they're like being recharged. So. Okay. So is the podcast, is it something? So for me, I'll give an example. This might help. Mm -hmm. So when we started creating the podcast, my aha moment was when I was listening to Amy Porterfield's podcast mm -hmm. and I was like, I will buy anything she sells because she has been this like mentor in my ear teaching me for free for all these years. And I want what she's selling. And so when I created my podcast, I was like, you know, my blog and my Instagram can only extend my voice so far and in that medium. But what if I teach people for free? And then for those people that need extra help, I have my program. So there was definitely strategy involved in it without feeling conniving because it was like, I want to put out the content that I wish I would have had. And so when we talk about and kick it off with sponsors, I think my question is, like, is this to become a moneymaker, like a business for you? Is it more just a generous gesture? Like, what does that look like? You can be honest, just be yeah, like, and like for us, it's it's starting out as a passion project, and then we're like, well, it would be amazing if it could be a source of income for us as well. Yeah, and I feel like the podcasting space, it's like this like weird cryptic thing where people like have no idea how much money you can make podcasting. They have no idea like what that looks like. So I'll walk you through when I first started, and then what it looks like today because it's two very different pictures. Now, granted, I got started two and a half years ago. So this is kind of, I mean, I feel like I got in at the right time. And it's not saying that now is the wrong time. It's like today is the right time. When I first started it, I had no idea how much work it was going to be. And I feel like so many people that enter podcasting are kind of shocked because the idea is like you sit down at a microphone, you record, and then it's done. And mm. What we discovered is like, okay, I don't want to edit my own episodes. So we need to hire an editor and then we need to create show notes and then we need to create graphics. And then all of a sudden there's like five key players that we need in order to just kind of get it up and off the ground. And right. so when I first looked at starting it, I was like, hey, I want to figure out a way to just cover my expenses. I made no money on my podcast for a very <laughs> long time. And so it was, I mean, it was probably a year before we actually took anything home. And when we did, it was probably hundreds of dollars. And so what I ended up doing is I went to HoneyBook and I was yeah. already using their software and I had created relationships with them. I had already collaborated with them. And I was like, here's the deal. I am going to be speaking to your ideal audience. I love your stuff. I'm already sharing about it. Would you consider helping me cover my costs? And so they agreed to pay me $200 per episode at the time, which was huge because it helped us be able to hire the right people so that it wasn't taking over my life because, you know, I still had a full-time business. And we did that for months and months and months. And truly, like when I look at HoneyBook right now, I'm like, I don't know if I would have done it without them just because I realized how valuable my time was. But then we kind of switched to no sponsors and we used the podcast as a way to grow my email list because we figured, hey, we have courses, we have products. What if we continue it doing it for free and instead just share about different opportunities that people have to get onto our emailing list so that when we do launches or promote things, they have the opportunity to purchase it. So that was our second phase. Mm -hmm. And that phase actually ended up costing us a ton of money because then we were paying out of pocket for all of those extra expenses. 
expenses. So I think we did it for like a quarter and it ended up costing us almost six figures, which is kind of crazy. So then I was like, I'm entering the season of motherhood. I was pregnant. I was super sick. And I was like, we need help again. And that help came in the form of sponsorships. And so sponsors for podcasts are based off of the number of downloads you get. So Mm. a lot of times people don't really understand how it works. And what it is, is it's basically they'll give you a certain amount of money per thousand downloads you get within Mm. about a 30 to 60 day time period. Yeah. And so... For a lot of shows, you know, if you're getting a thousand to two thousand downloads per show, you're probably only going to be able to charge like a hundred dollars for a sponsor. But mm-hmm. for our show now, you know, we are way up there. I'm trying to think if how many downloads we get per show, like a hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand. And so, Ooh, like in the last month, we made forty thousand dollars in sponsorships. in a month. So that's the like three different ways we've done this. We've covered our costs, we've lost money and we've made money, but it's hard to know how to start. So what I would say, and this is like my, I think my best piece of advice for podcasting is when you are first starting out, those first shows are so critical not to put pressure on them, but to be strategic Mm -hmm. and think about what your call to action is going to be in those shows, because people are always going to go back to those first episodes. So even to this day, my show is two and a half years old. We have, you know, 250 plus episodes. People are still going back to episode number one. And I don't Mm -hmm. think I thought about that when I started creating it. (laughs) And so what I would recommend you and Anna do is you create an awesome freebie or some sort of opt-in so that on that first show, you're like, hey, guys, we created this checklist or we created this something that is aligned with your message. Sign up for it here and then we can keep in touch and let you know when our next shows come out. And I feel like that would be the smartest strategic move instead of trying to find a partner right away. Yeah. But the second piece of that and the second idea behind that is if you are an affiliate for something, you can say this show is sponsored by HoneyBook and you could share your affiliate link to HoneyBook. Now, HoneyBook is not paying you to talk about them. However, if it's, I don't know, you use HoneyBook, don't you? I don't. Okay. Yeah. And so you could say, find out more information at jennacutcher.com slash HoneyBook. And that's where we created this landing page of all of our information about HoneyBook, how I use it, why it matters, da, da, da. And you could say the show is sponsored by them and you're actually collecting affiliate commissions. So they're not outright paying you, but that actually could be more financially wise in the long run. Mm. I love it. Isn't that. that good? And like, yeah, that's such a brilliant yes, way to do and, it. And, and it's true because you and you can share about your own experience and then you're not tied to scripts and you're not answering to anyone. And so in that way, too, when people go back to the beginning, they're hearing something that you love. And the more that you talk about it, I mean, the more that I talk about HoneyBook, people are like, what is this HoneyBook thing? And then, you know, mm-hmm. it, it keeps coming up. And so when I look back, it's like the first four months of our show, maybe even longer, we're sponsored by HoneyBook. But I almost wish I would have done an affiliate link instead of getting paid $200 per show because if just one person signed up, I would have made that back. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I would go affiliate route at the beginning until you have social proof or you know that your download numbers can command a higher rate than what you're getting affiliate wise. But that's what I would do to start. Oh, brilliant. High five. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. What's your next question? Okay. 
Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So before you started the Gold Digger podcast, what do you wish you would have known about starting podcasts? Oh gosh, everything. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay, so... I think that what is shocking is the amount of work of podcasting. And I don't say this to play the martyr role because I love what I do. I love it so much. But I think that, you know, there's so many preconceived notions of like, oh, you just sit in front of a mic and you hit record. I would say creating really good workflows. Kylie on my team is so type A. I love her to death because she created a spreadsheet. And so if she reaches out to someone, she has it marked like emailed this date. If they decline or accept the interview, she has that marked. Then we have the interview date booked. And so she made this spreadsheet so that I can log in at any time and see where we're at with certain guests or what topics we need to cover or how we're handling the diversity within our topics or even the diversity within our guests and like what that looks like. And so 
having some sort of workflow right away, it saves you so much time because we were going back into emails and being like, did they send us their bio photo? Or (laughs) did we create the soundbite? Or is the show notes created? And so that was one thing. The whole workflow of podcasting is just so crazy. And so that would be a huge piece of advice. I think, gosh, diversity in topics is really huge. Mm. I'm trying to think of what else. I think the other piece of it, and I I laughed because today I'm doing four interviews today. Mm -hmm. And our first one, we actually recently hired a house cleaner, which is hilarious to me because I never thought we would do that. But outsourcing has become our savior in parenthood right now. And so I had to record the first interview in my car. And I was like, man, I was brought back to two years ago when I started because I did all my interviews in my car because our dogs love to bark. And it just kind of brought me back to that moment. But I remember being so afraid of starting it wrong and like creating the wrong format. And I felt like whatever I started with would be exactly how I would have to do my show from then on. And we've changed the way that we show up. We changed the way that we do interviews. We've changed the way that we do these coaching sessions. And so give yourself the autonomy to just start and know that you can ebb and flow and you can transition as your show goes on. And I feel like for me, I thought that the framework and the structure and the sign off and the intro and everything had to be Mm. done before I could start. And now I'm like, oh, that was hilarious because (laughs) I could have just started and things have already changed so much. Oh, that's so amazing. That's That's really good to feel that freedom. That's amazing. Yeah, it's impossible to feel it when you're starting. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try my best. Anna and I will really work hard on it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Can you elaborate a little bit more on like what Kylie does? Because I feel like that's going to be a really crucial piece for us at the very beginning. Yes. Podcast manager. Okay. So let me lay out my team for the podcast first. And then I'll break it down how different it was when we started and how we evolved it. Okay. So right now, currently on our team. So we have Matt, who is our editor, and he has been our editor since day one. And he lives in Canada and his business partner is Amy. And they edit our shows for us. So basically, we record on Zencaster, which is what we're on right now. And Zencaster then uploads the tracks automatically to Dropbox for us. And so we just organize those tracks and then Matt and Amy take over. So they piece together the whole production of the show. So the intro, the intro song, the interview, the ads, the outro, they put all of that together. And we pay them, gosh, I think it's like $125 per episode. So you can see how expensive that could get quickly if you went the editor route. But for Mm -hmm. us, the production of it is so needed at the level we're at. Then we have Olivia and Olivia was recently on our show and she's our graphic designer. So every month we just send her the show titles, the headshots, and she pulls together all of our graphics for the show. And she was a recent hire. So we were doing all of that on our own inside of Canva and we were kind of piecemealing it and we're like, all right, it's time to like upgrade our brand get help. So not to say it can't be done. You can make templates and do all that yourself, but we figured our time is better spent elsewhere. So then Kylie is our full-time hire. And my sister actually had her job before she went back to school. And then we hired Kylie. And so 
I laugh because when I first started the podcast, it was just me and Caitlin. And that was when I was a team of two. So it was me and my virtual assistant, Caitlin, who now does a bajillion other things. And we somehow figured it out. And so she coordinated all the interviews. I would do the interviews. We had the editor and then we did everything else. Show notes, blog posts, everything. It was kind of a disaster. Um, (laughs) As in, we were so busy. Like we were so busy. And so... Kylie has a full-time position, so it's salaried. She's full-time on the team. And basically, her role is all things Gold Digger. So she manages our Facebook group. She posts all of our Instagram content. So I review and edit and write everything after she kind of goes through it. She coordinates all of our interviews. She does all of the organizing of our post-production. She writes the show notes. She pushes Mm -hmm. posts to Facebook. I mean, like she does... Anything gold digger that's going out into the world, basically my goal and my aim and my job is to show up, prepare for an interview, record it, and then she kind of takes over from there. And so it's amazing. But that job definitely evolved. And so at the beginning, we were able to manage it ourselves and figure out that workflow. But it very quickly, we realized like, we have courses, we have have so many things going on, we need help. And so it took us taking back ads to be able to afford to hire the team that was required to run the show. Because when I look at between salaries, sponsorships, we give a cut of our sponsors. We have an ad agency. I forgot to say that. So they get a cut of our sponsorships. You know, there's just a lot of moving parts. And Mm -hmm. if we weren't monetizing it, we wouldn't be able to run it. Gotcha. So yeah, so where I would start, I would say is I would aim for you and Anna to figure out your workflow. And for anyone that's thinking about starting a podcast, I would say an amazing goal would be to just do one episode a week. And that's exactly what we started with. We did one show a week until we got it down and we were like, all right, we can add in another show. But two shows a week is a lot. It's a lot more than people would assume. And so it's double the editing, double the blog posts, double the show notes, double the, you know, all of that. And so one show a week and you can figure out like, okay, if you guys are going to edit it yourselves, like who's going to do the editing? Who's going to create show notes if you decide you want to do that? Who is going to promote it on social? What is that going to look like? If you have a community, who's going to jump in and, you know, talk to your community and all of that and just kind of create and separate those roles. And since you have two capable people, I think you'll be a lot better off than we were. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're superwoman. This is amazing. And I would just say do it slowly. So like slowly build. For me, editing was the most easy hire in the sense because it's like, dude, that's saving me hours of time and they can do it a lot faster and a lot better than I could. So that hire to me made sense. And it was like $100 per show where I was like, okay, how can I make $100 in the three to four hours I would save from not Mm -hmm. editing? And so kind of looking at that cost expense like that. Yeah. Oh, so good. And with the second question, you like with this clarifying question, you answered my third question. I was going to ask you about outsourcing. Okay, great. Okay, (laughs) then let's keep talking. What else do we got? Okay, I love it. Marketing best practices for a podcast. Okay. So curious. Let's hear it. So if I were to launch again, and I feel like we did some things really right, and then we obviously figured out a lot as we went. So I would say that if you're going to launch a podcast, you want to have about four shows already done. 
And it feels Mm -hmm. really weird because you're going to launch and you're like, how do I promote four shows? And what does this look like? But I think the number one mistake I see people make is that they launch with one show and then people have to wait another week for more. And I don't think that people can make a decision if they want to subscribe or if you're the right fit for them with just one show, especially like an intro show. And so Mm -hmm. what I think would be kind of cool to do is record like a trailer where it's you and Anna and you're talking for like 10 minutes and you're like, here's who we are. Here's what we do. Mm -hmm. Here's our vision for the show. Here's what you can expect from us and head on to the next episode to tune in to our first conversation and kind Mm -hmm. of have that as like a trailer to like give that background of you guys. And then I would Mm -hmm. have two, three more shows ready to go so that people can kind of binge on that content. And I feel like you're one, a lot of times, I think the new and noteworthy thing is like so, so over because I feel like anyone that launches Mm -hmm. can get on that and it's not in a bad way. It's just like, don't even aim for those silly things, like aim to get your message heard by the right people. So when you can have a few shows that people can binge on, it's like this invitation for them to see if it works. And then your biggest call to action isn't going to be in people leaving reviews, but it's going to be in having people subscribe. So one of the mistakes we made, and, and it's still something that's like we're toying a line with is reviews mean a lot to me personally, like reviews, when people take time to leave a review, it helps affirm me that like what we're doing matters because sometimes it's easy to feel like oh my gosh we've got to write an outline and we've got to sit down and and so for me reviews are really affirming and they also give good feedback that I actually really take to heart but the secret sauce is getting people to subscribe because what happens then is the next time your show drops anyone that subscribed is automatically going to download that show and so they're going to be far more likely to tune in and it's also going to help you get more consistent numbers in terms of your downloads. Mm. And what's super weird about the podcasting world is that their reporting is like really prehistoric. You can't really see like, I would love metrics of like what people skip over, how long they're listening for, when they shut it off, how many times it takes them to actually listen to get through a full episode. Like I would love all of those metrics, but they don't have those really. And so Mm. all we can go off of is download numbers and reviews. We don't even know how many people are subscribed to the show. And so You definitely want to push people to subscribe because it kind of gives us this indicator when a new show drops, how many downloads do we get right away? And that's a good indicator of how many people are subscribed. But Mm -hmm. that's like how people stay engaged and stay on top of your content. I know for me in this new season, I used to listen to podcasts all the time. And right now it's like, I'm either momming or I'm working and I don't really have as much time. (laughs) Drew and I went on a walk this morning and we were both like, Hey, I want to catch up on a podcast. Like we're not going to talk to each other on this walk so that we can catch up. And so for me, it's like the shows that are automatically downloading, I can see like, which one do I want to listen to? And so subscribing is such a huge piece of that puzzle. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. 
Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. I had no idea they didn't have any of those metrics for you to like pay attention to. Isn't that to. funny? And there are different yeah. like softwares and things that can show you a little bit more, but really everything goes off of downloads, which is just so interesting because I would love to like dig into the nitty gritty of things and like really right. look deeper at what's working and what's not working. And it makes it really hard to decipher that as a host because you know, you do things a certain way and you might not even realize like it doesn't resonate or people skip this part or they just, you know, get to this part and you don't know any of that. And so I really miss that data, but I'm hoping that like podcasts will get caught up in creating something that allows you to track that a little bit better. Yeah, that would be so nice. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was like, we're kind of spoiled with Instagram. They gave us all I know, that. I know, I know, I <laughs> know. Yeah, I love it. So, Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you can't actually host your podcast on iTunes. Is that right? Okay. So, okay. I'm going to do my best to explain this because one, (laughs) I'm not a professional in this, but I have professionals that help me with this. So you host your podcast on an RSS feed. So for me, we chose Libsyn. So it's L-I-B-S-Y-N and Libsyn, there's Blueberry, there's like all these different there's these different hosts and I truly didn't do a ton of research and I didn't like weigh everything out. I hired someone to set my show up for me because I didn't have time to do it. And he knew Libsyn and I was like, sounds great. And so (laughs) your podcast lives on this RSS feed. And then basically you put it to be in iTunes and Stitcher and like whatever, all these other places. And so when you push it to your RSS feed, then it automatically pushes it out to all the platforms that you're on. So yeah, so it's actually pretty easy. And like what we do on my team is Matt will just schedule our shows for release. And then as soon as it is uploaded on our RSS, then it'll get pushed to all of our places. And so it is kind of confusing because a lot of people are like, well, how do I like upload it to iTunes? We don't upload anything to iTunes. We upload it to Libsyn. And then Libsyn is attached to all of those secondary accounts where people can tune in. And that's also how we are able to embed the player onto our blog post. So that's through our RSS feed. There's an embed code. And then inside of our blog post is a player that people can listen to so that they don't have to have an app to tune in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. You it's kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. It's like a whole secondary world. And so I only log into Libsyn to look at our stats and everything. Like that is the home of our podcast. That is where our description is, where our images are, where everything lives. And then that just tells everywhere else how we show up. Mm, okay. This is good because we're looking at all of these things. I was like, oh, we'll just upload it to iTunes. And then I did some reading and I was like, wait. It's very I, confusing. That works. <laughs> yeah. No, but you explained it well. Thank you for that. Okay. So part of our process after we found like what our specific niche is going to be and yeah. came up with our little intro or whatever was hiring a graphic designer. It's actually a good friend of ours and we're really excited. But how can we make the best use of those graphics? Yeah. So 
Okay, here, I'm going to give an honest answer first, and then I'll, I mean, only honest, but I got a little frustrated because, like, we went out and created our graphics, and then all of a sudden, I saw tons of graphics popping up, and I'm not saying I invented the wheel by any means, but all of a sudden, there was so much branding that looked exactly like our Mm -hmm. show, and so then it challenged us to, like, okay, let's reinvent it, let's get ahead of this, and I feel like we all look the same, so I'm not at all saying like, oh, all hail Queen Jenna. But I would say like go against the flow. And so one of the best pieces of advice with graphics that we learned very quickly is that based on how you're sharing it, you could have a ton of graphic needs. So you're sharing it on a blog, you have a blog sized image, and then you need a square for Instagram, and then you need a rectangle for Facebook, and then you need a long one for Instagram stories. And so what we challenged our designer to do was to create graphics that could work in multiple settings. And so when we share a graphic on our Instagram stories, it has the little swipe up call to action on the bottom, but we can use that same image in our Instagram grid as a square and it doesn't say swipe up. Does that make sense? Love it. So yeah, so we were looking at like, how can we versatilely create an image that can be used on three different platforms, having the appropriate call to actions without having to resize and create 10 images per show. So it's kind of a puzzle and we kind (laughs) of had to figure it out. But once we created that template, then all we do is drop in the new image and the new title. And so when we did our rebrand, we were very thoughtful at like, okay, how many different images do we need for each thing? And then how can we create a template for each of them? But I would just say, you know, because we have our blog, Instagram, Instagram stories, and Facebook. And we almost use the same template, just resized it a tiny bit different for each platform so that we're not having to create four separate graphics for our needs. Oh, yeah. That's that. And then the other thing, too, is people ask us this all the time. I wish I had an affiliate link, but I don't. Is how do we create those graphics with the sound bites in them? Mm. And it's a program called Wave. And it's, let me just double check the spelling. It's either W-A-A-V-E or W-A-V-V-E. Hold up. Okay, it's W-A-V-V-E dot co. And it's a way that you can share audio on social media by turning it into custom videos. So basically, that's how we create where you can hear the sound bite and see the little sound waves and kind of give that preview to an episode. I love it. I was going to ask you what that was. I got you. I got you, girl. <laughs> Dang it, they need an affiliate program. No, we get asked that almost daily. Like, how do you create those graphics? And it took us forever to figure it out. So you guys are welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's amazing. Okay, a little bit of a different question. What were you the most afraid of? Or like, what was your biggest fear about starting a podcast? So I've never felt like I have a radio voice. We're actually dealing with, and I'll share kind of a struggle that we're going with right now because this pertains. And I think sometimes it's hard to explain it. So my biggest struggle right now, and it's transformed over time, is that, you know, we're 250 shows in. And someone the other day said, oh, Jenna just sounds so scripted. And I am reading off of scripts nowadays. I didn't have to at the beginning, but one, I have total mom brain and I thought people just use that as an excuse, but it is so real. But two, 
when I have created 125 solo shows, if I didn't use scripts, I would be saying the same stories over and over again. I would totally go off like on tangents. I would forget to communicate the main points. And so it's really funny because I used to be able to just show up at the mic and talk and like teach. And now it's like I have taught so much that in order for me to deliver true results, I have to read off of a script. And it helps me to stay on track. It helps me to deliver content. And, and so that has been our biggest challenge right now. And so when you're starting out, it's really easy to just jump on and have conversations and rift and stuff. But if Mm -hmm. you turn into a teaching podcast, you're Mm -hmm. going to want to get very specific and say, well, what is the direct result of this show? And how do I deliver that? And for me in this season of life, I don't have the brain capacity to talk for 40 minutes straight and know that I'm going to deliver the value I'm promising. And so it's been like a definite challenge. And I think at the beginning, the challenge was the opposite of that, where I could jump on and be like, all right, I'm just going to tell this story and, and cover these three main points and tie it all together. But I don't know if I was delivering the best content that actually gave those results. And so I think finding a balance with that is really, really hard. But when you're creating your show, when you're creating those first 10 episodes, you're not thinking about the next 200 of them, you know? And so it's really easy to like give out your best content right at the beginning, which is what I recommend. But then it's like, where do we go from here? And figuring that out and navigating that and, and reinventing the wheel and creating new content and all of that, you have to figure out How long do you want your shows to be? How much do you want to give away on your shows? How can you keep people coming back for more? How can you share the same thing in a new way that might hit people in a different way? Do you want to have outlines? Do you want to have scripts? Do you want to just have open-ended Q&As? Like, what does that look like? And it's something that we're walking through based off of feedback and navigating. But I kind of giggled because someone was like, it sounds like Jenna's reading off of a script. And I was like, you know what? I am right now in this season. It's the only way I can show up to the mic and give you what you want. And so, So it's just hard to navigate those different seasons. And I think that I didn't have that fear at the beginning. And now it's one of those things where it's like, how can I keep showing up and doing something new when I've already done so much? Yeah. And how do you, how do you do that? Like, yeah, how do you stay inspired? Like we have been really polling our audience a lot more and I hope that it shows because I really struggled with accepting feedback in the past. And for a lot of my career, I was able to get by with having just people that were in my corner and cheerleaders and not very many critics. And, you know, stepping into a new season in a new realm, I feel like I've opened myself up a lot more to hear mm-hmm. feedback and to accept it and to take a little space from it and not get defensive and say, okay, what can I do with this? And so I would say that if you decide to create a community for your podcast, like on Facebook, it has been so valuable for me to hear the good and and to hear the bad and to try to respond to both with equal grace and gratitude because I'm learning and I'm growing. And, and I think that having that community to ask questions to like, what do you guys need help with? Or what are you struggling with? Like that is helping us to create content every single week. I mean, you would think we would have run out of topics, but my gosh, we have like a list of a hundred things that we want to cover. I have 20 solo shows ready to record right now. Like I am so on fire for creating what people need, but I don't think I would know that. And I definitely think I got out of touch 
for a while when I was in that grind season before we had Conley because I was trying to just create so that we could take that break. And so I wasn't looking at feedback and I wasn't very receptive to it because we had this plan that we had to stick to. And so getting people either on your email list where you can ask them questions or into a Facebook community or polling people on your Instagram stories or in your Instagram posts, we pay attention so much. And I would like to think that I'm growing as an individual and being able to accept feedback. It's a work in progress. And I often want to remind people that when you host things, when you have a following, when you're showing up in a new way, you're doing a lot of things for the first time and people are watching you on a public stage. And when you're starting that business, man, people didn't see the mistakes I was making or the things because it was all happening behind the scenes and now it's all out in the public. And so people get to watch us mess up and flub and And it's scary. And when you start a podcast, it's like you're inviting people back into this world of trying something new. And you almost forget how uncomfortable newness is because you've been a photographer. You've gotten past those growing pains. You've done a lot in that career. And now all of a sudden you're starting something new again and you forgot what it feels like to be brand new at something, you know? Mm, Yeah. And it was so hard at the beginning to get people to take me seriously as a photographer. Have you found that it's been so difficult to get people to take you seriously as a podcaster? Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest (laughs) things that like the reason why we started the show was because I was only known in the photography world. And I was like, what I teach can reach so many more people. And so I'm doing a disservice if I don't launch this. Like, I am only going to reach a certain audience when I know I could impact more. But oh my gosh, yes, it's like, who is this girl I'm literally recording in my closet right now while my baby is upstairs? You know, like, like I am still me and I'm still just showing up as imperfect as I did at the beginning, but it's stepping out in a new way. And I feel like anytime you do that, you're just reminded of what it's like to start again. And it's very humbling. It's so humbling. Yeah. Do you have a favorite person that you've interviewed? Oh gosh. (laughs) I've had so many amazing interviews. You know, you know, what's funny is one of my favorite interviews was Emily Sexton. She was in my mastermind. You got to get her on your show. She prepared so well. She taught about how to own influence and like how to like show up and become an expert. And what I loved about her is she prepared so much. And I got to tell you, like when people are getting interviewed, you have this platform that you're sharing with them. And it's something that people should not take lightly. It's something I don't take lightly when I'm invited onto people's shows. And it's something that I ask my guests not to take lightly. Like I'm sharing this space with you and this audience with you. She prepared. And then what I loved even more is the day her episode went live. She dedicated her entire day to engaging with people that listen to her show. She sent DMs with videos of her like she cared for my people so well that it touched me so much she had one of the smaller followings of anyone I've ever interviewed Mm -hmm. and one of the best interviews I've ever done because of the way that she showed up and cared and I loved that and it taught me so much of how I can show up better for other people's audiences too which is so cool that's awesome raising the bar for sure Emily Sexton girl she kills it she's awesome (laughs) Oh, I'll have to go back and listen to that oh, one. It's so that good. One. It's so good. I'm excited about it. Okay. I have a couple more questions. Okay. okay. So is this podcast everything you hoped it would be? Yeah. It's <laughs> so much more. It really did. Just as you were saying, it started as a passion project and it became so much more. And 
I talked to, you know, today I interviewed someone and I got a text from a friend. Everyone's starting podcasts. And I think that it's really easy to compare your beginnings to someone's middle. And so it's like, oh, how did theirs just take off? Like, guys, it's been two and a half years and 200 episodes and a ton of money and time. It took all of that to get to this point. And so my show... It transformed from something that I had to do to something that I get to do. And I hate to say that because for a long time, it was just another thing on my plate. And it was wonderful and beautiful, but it just felt like, oh my gosh, I have this long interview day. And now it's like, holy crap, I get to show up and I get to talk and I get to share and I get to teach. And the fact that I can just sit in a closet with sweatpants on and touch thousands of people, that's, that's insane. Okay. All right. Here we go. What is your final question? Okay. My final question is twofold. The first one is how do you handle bad days? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What's the second fold? The second one, it's a completely different question. I just want to know if you'll be on our podcast. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So... Bad days. Okay, so here's one thing that I've really learned about podcasting is like energy is felt. Mm. And there have been days where I show up to the mic and I'm kind of grumbly and I'm like, oh, like Mm. the dogs are running around and it's chaos in our house and I'm yelling at Drew to grab the baby. And that is all felt. And so I feel like the best advice is like when you step up to the mic, like realize like this is a gift. The audio doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to say the perfect things. You just have to show up and like let your energy be out there. And so I can tell when I'm recording if it's a good day or if I'm like being really hard on myself or if I'm flubbing up my words and then I'm re-recording and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not getting anything right. And that pressure, I just feel like it just emits into that episode. And so it takes a lot of grace. And I think it takes stepping out and being like, hey, I'm going to say things wrong sometimes, or mm-hmm. I might say things that might get misconstrued or, or perceived differently, but like I'm still showing up. And so show up with like that good energy. Another random tip is just smile when you talk. I feel like people mm-hmm. can feel that smile and that energy. And I talk so much with my hands when I record Mm -hmm. it is I look like a maestro because (laughs) it just like keeps you active and like engaged and I think that that's so huge and so it's all about energy and I do my best like on days where I have like back to back to back to back interviews it's like just show up and bring the energy like it's it's a good day to do that so Second fold, we have a long (laughs) list of people of interviews that I need to do, but we will absolutely add you to it. And we're just chipping our way through it. I think one of the hardest things for me this season is I have not done an interview since we've had our baby. So five months with anyone because we have been so head down just trying to get caught back up ourselves. And so it's been really interesting for me because we have all these amazing opportunities, but it's like, In this season, I'm working part time. I am taking breaks to feed the baby and to like go on walks and just really trying to like foster that. And so it's been hard because we're saying no a lot more than we ever have, but it's really Mm -hmm. supporting that like part time goal of mine to just ease back in. So right now we're like head down in our own show, in our own work, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to pull my head out of the sand soon um, (laughs) and get onto other shows because I love being interviewed. It's really, really fun for me so 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for letting me be on your show yes. and taking the time to coach me. Yes. I, it. I oh hope that it was helpful. I hope that you feel like encouraged so and inspired because there is so much that goes into podcasting and there's so many like little decisions and little things that you have to decide. But I hope that this helps you feel set up and encouraged and empowered. Mm-hmm. And I think my best advice is to just hit record show up imperfectly. I listen back and like our sound quality was terrible and there's so many things, but the message was there and that's all that matters. And just so show up with your message and you will get the rest down as you go. It's totally a learn as you go situation. I'm so excited for you to launch your show. Oh, thanks so much, Jenna. You are awesome. I feel like I'm on fire right now. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Wait, let's give you homework. Okay. Okay. I feel like as a coach, it's important. Okay. So here's my homework for you. I want for you and Anna to sit down and decipher your workflow. So who's going to commit to what? And so just kind of separate that out right now and figure that out. The second thing would be if you feel comfortable having an affiliate on, figure out what affiliate is going to be the best fit. And then if you have time, create a page just for that affiliate that will live on a website that has an easy URL you can send people to. So like, for example, jennacutcher.com slash honeybook, that is where I send people to and they can see a video of how I use it and hear about my experience and figure out what it does and if it will work for them. So figure out an affiliate if that's a direction you want to go. And then I would just say, figure out and map out your first four shows. So those will be the ones that you will launch with. But then kind of start to map out ahead of where you want to take it. And I would say approaching it quarterly feels really awesome. So if you want to either cover a certain topic and kind of stay on that trend, or if you want to bounce around, or if you want to have guests or solo shows or conversations, kind of just map out that first quarter. That's all you need to do to focus on and kind of go from there. So that would be your three pieces of homework, workflow, affiliate, and kind of mapping out where you want to take the show. Oh, thank you. We will do this homework diligently. <laughs> awesome. And you should send it to me when you're done so that I can look it over and give any feedback. Heck yeah, we will. Awesome. Thank you so much. Jenna. Yes. And oh. where can people connect with you just so they can learn more about you and hold you accountable to launching your podcast? Oh, absolutely. So my Instagram is where I live. <laughs> it's Tori, T-O-R-I underscore Maloney, M-A-L-O-N-E-Y. Awesome. That's where you can find me. Great. Thank you so much, Tori. Well, there you have it. Man, I just spilled all of the beans. And I hope that if you're considering creating a podcast, this episode was super insightful for you. I tried to give out my best content when it comes to starting a podcast. Let me tell you, I have learned a lot along the way. And I also love how our conversation gave me a chance to kind of share what we're working on over here. I mean, we are always watching and listening to your feedback, trying to make this show better, adding back some of the things you love and making sure we're tackling the topics you are most curious about. So here's the deal. I would love to hear from you. What do you think of these coaching sessions? Do you love them? Do you hate them? Should we keep them around or move on? Hop on over to Instagram at Jenna Kutcher or at Gold Digger Podcast and let us know. And tell us what you want to hear next. We are always listening so that we can keep creating a show that you absolutely love. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. 
thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash golddigger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash golddigger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.